everybody, this is Greg Ruffner with the Abstract Podcast, and we have Mike Fisher at Integrity Solutions joining us today. Mike, please say hello and introduce yourself, sir. Yeah, thanks, Greg. My name is Mike Fisher. I'm with Integrity Solutions. I'm out of Nashville, Tennessee. So I, uh, I have a little accent for you guys. That's awesome. Well, a good accent always helps. Um, I want to start by diving into how you got started in your sales career, Mike. Um, and after you share your stories, I'll share a little bit of uh, mine because I think it lays some, some good uh, foundation for our conversation today. So you started your career in college selling books. Um, what was that experience like? What did yeah. you learn from that? What did you hate about that? <laughs> You know, it was, uh, so I went to school at a small college in North Carolina called Catawba College. I played soccer there back a long time ago. And, and uh, my dad was one of those guys that was like, I'll, I'll, you know, you got a half a scholarship and I'll pay a quarter of that and you pay the other half so that you're, you have skin in the game. So I had to figure out a way to make money. And so I went out and, and sold books for a company called Southwestern in the summer times. And it was door to door, 80 hours a week, straight commission, educational books. And it was prior to the internet, prior to uh, any kind of cell phones or whatnot. So you just go to some part of the country, you'd live there for the summer uh, with a group and, and sell all day. And it, it what I like and hate, um, there, <laughs> it wasn't a lot to, it was interesting. It was an interesting deal because you, you were working so hard. I did this for seven summers, mind you. So I did it for a long time, but each summer you, when you're out there having to be face-to-face -face with your fears every single day, cause you just don't like it, to be honest with you. It, you have to force yourself to, you know, you've heard the term get, un get comfortable being uncomfortable. You're forced to be uncomfortable every single day, but then you just start to get comfortable enough to go, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm helping kids with school. I'm helping them with education. And when you stopped selling books and started trying to help kids, it's amazing the difference in your attitude when you would go do that. It was, uh, it was a, good, uh, a good thing. And you would always meet really cool people that uh, if you worked hard all day, you just seem to get rewarded by me. I don't know if you experienced that, but it was a, uh, that was a cool thing to, to do every day. So it was, uh, it was a great training ground, a great, uh, a great way to learn how to sell. And, and you had to learn that the only thing that traveled quicker than you was your reputation. So you had to treat people right. There's a lot of, a lot of benefits to it. Yeah. I'm sure you could go from like, you know, you're at one house, great experience with, with Sally or Susie, right. Buying books and you go to the yeah. next house and you're like, Hey, Sally and Susie mentioned you have kids and you know, they're about the same age. And I'm sure like, you know, kind of building that, uh, that reputation as you went through the neighborhood probably helped a little bit. You literally, I would have a, and you learn some great skills. For example, I literally took, took a, a manila folder and I would write the grades of the kids that had bought one, one through 12. And every time somebody bought, they'd get to put their name on the list, you know, and I'd write, I'd write their name or let them put their name on the list. And then when you're in the neighborhood talking to someone, they say, what, you know, what, what grade are your, my kids are, what kid, grade are your kids? And I have a 10th grader and a ninth grader or a 10th grader and a sixth grader. Oh, okay. You might know these kids. And I would list yeah. out and they'd go, yeah, and I know, you know, I know all those families. Well, those are the ones that have picked them up. So, you know, and then, Hey, take a look. You may like them. You may not. And it's funny how that would really work. Oh yeah. Well, uh, my, my book selling experience was a little bit different when I, when you say you got to kind of meet, you know, meet families and make an impact. Um, the most interesting people I met was the campus police um, at the college <laughs> that I was selling uh, books at. I worked at a company called Beat the Bookstore and uh, their whole business model was uh, they planted locations literally across the street from the campus bookstore. Oh. And they would sell books for literally a dollar less than what the campus bookstore was selling the same book. For. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a draft later that night. Yep. And so at the end of the day, 
one of the challenges that one of the things that we sold is we'd walk around and wait outside the campus bookstore and have people walk out with their receipts. And I would literally show them how much money I could save them if they went and returned their, their books and then went across the store and bought the books at beat the bookstore. And um, I got arrested once from the campus police for uh, unlawful solicitation on campus okay. property. So didn't quite have the same impact that you had on uh, education of, of young minds, but uh, definitely some similarities in starting our careers out selling <laughs> books. So, um, all right, let's get into a little bit. So I want to talk about closing deals um, because I think that's honestly every, every sales leader um, wants their team to be closing more deals, right? What, yeah. what salesperson, sales leader doesn't want their team to be closing more deals? Um, what, what kind of like, I want to try to get a little bit outside the box thinking, Mike, with maybe some things that maybe you are doing at Integrity or some things you've done in your career that are like not, tr not traditional closing skills. Yeah. Like what are, when you think of closing skills that are unique or creative, what are some of those things kind of like the manila folder idea? Like what are you, what are some of the things that you kind of think of when you think of closing skills? Yeah, it's, and let me give a little background too. I, I've been doing this for about uh, 20 years I, 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 with Integrity Solutions. I've traveled the world. I've, I've literally gotten to go to every continent except Antarctica and train this integrity selling program and, and, and have been everywhere. So it's not something that we're trying out to see if it works and, and whatnot, but it's, I've been doing it for a long time. Done a lot in the health, lot in the healthcare space, but lots of other spaces as well. And when you say closing skills, it's, it's funny when I'm selling our programs, one of the things that happens is someone will say to me, uh, you know, you need to, uh, I, my people need better, you know, help with closing skills. And in my mind, I don't say this out loud, but in my mind, I immediately go, they probably need help interviewing skills. They need asking better questions. It's not closing. That's the problem. It's, it's asking questions on the front end and figuring out what the customer's needs are. And so early on in a sales process where a lot of, of young salespeople, I would say, go in, they, you've heard the term show up and throw up. They go in and tell rather than ask. And I think that they're conditioned, honestly, to do that because when they're hired, they say, all right, learn the products. Let's teach you the products. Come to product training, product, product, product. And they do and they learn it. And then they say, now go tell our story. Well, unless you equip them to, to be able to say, okay, you've got to ask questions and then you're going to tell the parts of the story that the customer needs, not all the parts of everything we do. And then they go in and say, well, hey, thanks for your time today, Greg. Let me tell you about us. And that's the mistake. And so I think one of the first things that if we're going to talk about closing skills, you got to go back and really look at their interviewing skills. And are they uncovering customer needs so that they can later fill those needs by sharing how our product can solve that problem? That's number one. I think the second thing when you say to closing skills, when you talked about things like the manila folder, I think something that I would say that's, that's I find very effective is once you've uncovered those needs, when you start demonstrating solution ideas as to what they, what they can, can, you know, how it's going to help them, you have to take what their needs were and, and then show them how your, the features and benefits of your product are going to help them. And so it's, it's uncovering that need and say, I'll give you an example. Let's say someone comes into a phone store and one of their challenges, the reason they want a phone is, is because they're, they don't have enough storage for their videos and their, and their, their pictures. So, okay, well, the new XYZ phone has, a, has cloud storage. And so what that means to you is you'll never run out of storage now when you're taking pictures with your, with your camera. Well, that just met the need. Okay, well, then I want it. You know, that, that's what I'm looking for. And so if you can tell them, you'd mentioned earlier that phone storage was an issue. We have cloud, store, cloud storage. So what that means to you is you don't have to do that. 
that starts to let them buy. And the, the key that I think from a selling perspective is closing wise is, is critical is to say, well, let me pause for a minute. How's that sound so far? That sounds good. And instead of going and saying, let me tell you another feature, we have to step back and say, what we talked about several things. What do you like? Well, I like that cloud storage thing you mentioned about not ever running out of running out of, uh, of, of space. Ah, okay. And what just happened from a selling perspective is when they verbalize what they like about your product, they just started selling themselves on the product. And so closing now goes from, do you like it to how do I get it? And that's a different close. And I think that that's, that's a critical piece that I think a lot of people miss and it comes from listening, not talking. So I want to go back to one of the first things you talked about in that around product training. Because sure. one of my, my biggest frustrations in sales is this emphasis on product training. Yeah. And I was having a conversation with a gentleman last week. And um, after seven or eight years of trying to find a way to, to simply verbalize my frustration with why there's such an emphasis on product training and not question training, it's because Product training is very objective. It's measurable. You can demonstrate whether you know the product or not. Um, training in a human being to ask intelligent questions and be naturally inquisitive is very, very difficult. It is not something that can be done in two or three weeks. Um, it takes almost like a lifelong learning to become an inquisitive person that's comfortable asking those questions, um, which is why it's not emphasize it's not focused on and it's not something that is repeatable in a measurable way as part mm -hmm. of an onboarding process from for any sales organization that i've ever come across um mm -hmm. and so would you would you agree with that or disagree with that um i'm gonna i'll respectfully disagree in certain areas now i agree that it is difficult and i think that comes a lot with their emotional intelligence and i think that's difficult to teach because emotional intelligence is reading a room. It's understanding that if you walk into a, uh, to see a, a doctor, for example, and they just came out of a really bad case, now's not the time to ask the question. That emotional intelligence that they have, they have to have. And I think their emotional intelligence to be able to, to read who they're in front of, to pause and ask questions and go through that, that part, I'll agree with you. That's, they either have that or they don't. It's hard to, to teach emotional intelligence. When it comes to questions, I think that, that we do it a lot as far as trying to help them to understand how to ask better questions. But I think when, we, when you think in terms of, it, I'll put it this way, they have to begin with the end in mind. In other words, if I know what you're using, what product you're using with a competitor of mine, for example, or you're looking at this, solving this problem and you're looking at other, other products, why would you wanna use what I'm gonna suggest over what it is that, that, I, that, that the competitor has. What makes, what differentiates my, my products? And can I articulate our value proposition in a way that I can ask questions to help you discover? And I'll give you a concrete example of when this hit me right in the face. I went to and, and Lowe's to buy grass seed one time when I was, uh, I was building our house. And I went to go buy the grass seed. The guy used this on me. I, uh, I walked in and I said, I need grass seed. He said, come on back. And he says, uh, tell me about your lawn. I said, I don't have one. He said, what do you, what do you mean? I said, I got, to, you know, it's new. He said, okay. He said, and he asked some good questions. Is it full sunlight or shaded? And I said, uh, good question. it's full sunlight because it's new trees. He said, okay. Um, I'm assuming you have a sprinkler system. And I said, well, no, I, but I'll water it. He says, okay. I said, uh, he said, is it, are you meticulous about your lawn? And I said, what do you mean? He said, edge it out, lines in it, you know, drink a beer. It looks good when you're done. I'm like, yeah, that's me. He said, okay. 
I would go with this brand here. It's called Lesco Supreme Blend. And I said, okay, sounds good. Oh, hang on a minute. That's $106 a bag. That Kentucky 31 next to it is $67 a bag. Why am I paying extra 40 bucks? He said, well, you mentioned a couple of things. One, you mentioned to me that you had a new lawn, so it's full sunlight and no sprinkler system. This particular grade is made for the Southeast. It has a very deep root. If you miss a watering, it will not die out. That's a construction grade seed. It has a very shallow root and will die out if you miss a watering, but it also has about 15% inner ingredients. That's code word for weeds. This one has 0.14% inner ingredients, so you won't have that trouble with weeds. Now, I always ask the groups, if he, if he had just said to me, hey, grass seeds right here, let me know if you need anything, where would I have gone? Cheaper version. Gone cheap. And I, and I always ask the group why. Well, obviously not just because I'm cheap, but I am. But I also, the reason is he didn't, I didn't, I wasn't educated to know the difference in the cost. So you go to gravitate towards commoditizing lowest cost. Because he educated me and let me know the difference, I was willing to spend more money because that's what I wanted, if that makes sense. And so I think a lot of times as salespeople, our job is to educate the customer based on what they tell me their needs are to what the best solution, then they can decide. And more times than not, cost becomes less of an issue if it solves the problem that they want solved. I love that. Okay. All right. Fair point. Fair point. We, uh, I stand corrected a little bit, so <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll buy that. Final thing I'm going to talk about on this topic. Um, one of my challenges in training reps in my sales career has been just my struggle to get people to ask for the close. Yeah. Um, when, you know, when you think of like closing skills, it's, Hey, would you like me to send you an order form? Or, you know, is there anything stopping us from signing this by this date? Those types of questions. Right. Um, those are, I've realized a struggle for a lot of people yeah. to, to ask those types of questions. Why? And I think, why, why do you think they struggle? I think there's a fear of rejection. True. And yes. I think that fear stems from it's a symptom of the fact that they didn't ask the right questions and they didn't do their homework leading up to the point. Because if, if you've done the, if you've asked the right questions, you almost don't need to ask those closing questions. Closing becomes a natural next step in the progression of helping that person achieve what they want to achieve. Um, yep. So for those situations where, where people do feel a little bit of a, a hesitancy around asking for the business like what are your what's what's the integrity solutions kind of trick if you will for for helping people overcome that or maybe practicing that a little bit more i think they should rewind the last 10 minutes of this podcast and that'll help them uh, that'll help them get there <laughs> i think because it, it basically what we just described is and i think you're you're 100 percent on People are afraid to ask for the business because they don't feel like they deserved it or they feel like there's this fear of rejection. And I think they take it as personal rejection. It's yeah. not, it's not this rejection of, of it's a good example would be is if, if, if I went to the middle school dance and the boys are lined up on one side and the girls on the other, well, if I've got my friend, you know, uh, Craig, and I'm going to go over and ask all the girls if they want to dance with Craig, well, there's no, there's no fear for me. Hey, you want to dance with Craig? Nope. Okay. How about you? You want to dance with Craig? Nope. And I don't have any personal rejection. If I go for me, there's this fear. Now all of a sudden, I don't want to go do that. And so I think when we look at what we're when we're closing, I, I, what we talked about a minute ago. If if I've asked, think about it this way. I'll take that fear away right now. If you ask good questions on the front end and you uncover what their need is and you start to figure out, okay, this is this is the challenge. Let me share with you a solution that I think others who have had these same challenges that you're having are now 
you know, have, have limited those challenges because by using this product, I can now share what it is that they're, how I can help them. If I get to that point and I ask that trial close question that I mentioned a minute ago, how's this sound so far? I think it sounds good. Well, when you say good, talked about a lot of things. What, what do you like about it? What, what stood out for you? And they say, well, I think there's two things you mentioned, one about this and one about that. I like that. Well, at that point, you know, you're probably closing for the business. Let's say they give me a negative response to that trial close. How's this sound so far? Well, I still have some questions. I'm, I'm a little hesitant on a couple of different things. Okay, back up. What, 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 what's holding you back? At that point, I may know, I may not be triggering for the, for the uh, close for the business. I may be closing for the next actionable step so that I can help solve what that challenge is. Either way, at that point, I know where I am in the sale, in the closing of this sale. So the fear of, of asking for the business goes away simply by following a process of asking and uncovering needs. And then how can I fill those needs and checking in with a trial close question to see where you are. At that point, You'll, you'll know whether or not you're closing for the business or for the next actual step. And I think the fear of closing at that point goes away. Uh, you, you've somewhat solved that problem. I don't know if that answers the question, but. I think, it's a, I think it does. And it, it goes back to asking the right questions. Um, because think of it the other way, if you just show up and throw up, tell, 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 let me tell you about me, talk, 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 15, 20 minutes. And now that awkward moment comes, do you like it? That is, I, I would agree. I would have a, my, my mouth would get dry too. And I had to ask yeah. that I don't know if you're with me or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, even for, for somebody who's successful and, and had a long career in sales, um, I, I think that would make anybody uncomfortable yeah. in that scenario. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about asking the question. So I think there's a healthy balance between um, being able to ask the right questions, the right amount of questions, with also not making it feel like uh, an interrogation right? Sure. Um, no one wants to play 20 questions with somebody that just cold called them. Um, sure. So how does, how do you, as a rep, how do you be, make it something where it's more of a fact finding conversation as opposed to a leading the witness type of yeah. thing? Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing I, I see in that is that, that what's my, what's my uh, objective going in? Do I want to, am I trying to fill out a piece of paper that has, you know, I mean, we've all had somebody that, and I, I don't mean to pick on insurance agents, but they have a fact finder to fill out. And it's really, once they gather all that information, they can, they can now take that and say, now I can put together a solution for you. And there's times when, um, you know, real honestly, they, they're just doing what they're told, which is to fill out this information rather than the experienced people, the experienced reps in the insurance business start to really uncover, okay, what are your objectives with, you know, what do you want to do with this? What do you want? To, and those questions are different. And so I think a, a big piece of it is what's, where's my, and I don't mean to, where's my heart, but it is, what's, what's, what's your, am I, am I here to help solve a problem or am I here to make a sale? And if I'm here to solve a problem, I think, I think people can tell how genuine your questions are, whether or not you're trying to help them, or are you trying to just sell a product? And if you're just trying to sell a product, I think you, I think at that point, you need to start back up a little bit and see, I want to start solving problems. I'll give you an example. I was working with a, this was a pharmaceutical company. This is probably 15 years ago. And I was talking about our view of selling. What is your view of selling? Do you see sales as a value profession that you're helping your patients and helping your, you know, helping your, your customers? Or do you see it as selling a product every day? And a lady raised her hand and she said, that's my problem. I said, what do you mean? She said, I, I just, I know when I go into a waiting room, the patients are going, you're the reason I'm going to be late today. They go, you're the reason health insurance is the way it is, that kind of thing. And I said, okay, time out. Group, how do you get past that? And does that affect her ability to close? And they're like, yeah. yeah. I said, how do you get past that? And she said, a lady nailed it. She said, you know, I used to feel like her, but I don't feel like her anymore. 
she said, I got a chance to volunteer with, with one of our, uh, our, our doctors had a, a farm where the kids rode horseback. And she said, the kids are riding horseback and the parents kept coming to me and saying, you don't understand what a sense of normalcy that your medication puts back into our family's life. It really has changed things. And she said, from that day on, I stopped selling pharmaceuticals and I started helping kids. And what a difference it makes when you go into an office every day looking for a kid to help versus, boy, I hope I can see Dr. So-and-so because I got to get this product off, you know, and, and there's just a shift in what you do every day. Well, that brings up a, a good point back to selling books, right? You weren't selling books. You were helping kids, you know, become educated, right? Changing your attitude and your perspective. Um, and, you know, some of us are fortunate to be able to sell and represent products where we actually do have a yeah. core fundamental kind of belief alignment sure. around what the product is designed to do. Um, some of us aren't as fortunate to be sure. able to represent products that we, we are passionate about, we truly believe in. What would be your, your feedback or your, maybe your, your advice for, for somebody who's you know, selling something that they're struggling to, to get behind, yeah. but they also need to pay their bills? Yeah. Like, how does that work? I think, because, and I, and I get that. There's some people that sell a product, truthfully, that doesn't, uh, it doesn't have that much of an impact. And it doesn't, it's not something, it's, but it's a necessary product. And, and so I, I think where I go with that is if, if that's what I'm selling, then I need to be the very best at what I'm doing. I want to give the best service. I want to take care of my customers. I want to pick up my phone and I follow up and follow through. I want to be, they can depend on me and I want to take myself from being a vendor with that customer to being a, a, a partner for them. You know, Martin Luther King talks about the, the guy that shined his shoes in Birmingham, Alabama or Montgomery, Alabama, I think it was. And he talks about that he was the best, that, that he, the pride he took when he, when he shined his shoes. And he said, you know, if you're going to be the Michelangelo, and it's an old sermon that, that he talked about, but if you're going to be a sweet sweet sweeper, let him put up a sign that says the best sweet street sweeper in the world lives here. I think you have to step back and go, okay, and then I'll go back to selling books. Let me pull this back. You can walk through neighborhoods and, and they can be very low income neighborhood. And you'll have one house that has, is run down and the bushes are run up and, the, and, and it looks awful. And it's just really not, not well maintained and go right to the next house and same income level, same low, whatever it is. And yet it's very tidy and neat and well taken care of. They take pride in what they had. And I love meeting those people because it has nothing to do. You learn really quickly not to judge people, but to meet them for who they are. And I tell you what, I think when, when, when you're selling a product that's not maybe that's something that makes a huge difference, I want to be the very best at that. I want, to, I want to be somebody that does a good job of serving my customers, regardless of what the, custom, the product is. And I can take pride in that. And that, that's a differentiator to me. And it goes back again to attitude, right? I mean, even the, the, your perspective on, on how you do the little things is often transcribed into how you do everything. You know, Absolutely. are... Are you taking care of your house? Are you, you know, taking care of your yard? How do you treat your customers? How do you do your job? Um, yeah. And so there's some fundamental maybe characteristics of somebody's personality that might, they, they should lean on perhaps um, if they find themselves in a, in a situation where maybe they're not selling something that they, that they, they, they strongly believe in day in and day out. Okay. I agree. There's a, there's a good little story that I heard back when I was selling books. It was a good little story about that. And he basically said that there was this pastor who was going to, his, his young son was four years old and he was trying to write his sermon, but he kept getting interrupted by his son. He kept coming in, let's go to the park, let's go to the park. And so finally he just said, all right. And he found this magazine, had a, had a picture of a map on it and he tore it into a bunch of pieces and laid it out and mixed it all up. And he said, I tell you what, put the puzzle together 
and then we'll go to the park. And he said, that's going to buy me a good half hour. I'll have a few minutes to write a few things down. And he went in and he started writing some things down. And in about four minutes, the kid came back in. And he said, come here, I got the pick. I got the puzzle done. And he laid it out and he said, wow, wow. How did, how did you get that done so quickly? And he said, well, I noticed on the other side, there was a picture of a man. And if the man was right, I knew the world would be right. And he said, well, there's my sermon. And I think that sometimes that when we stop back and look at ourselves and you go, okay, if the, if the mind, and if, if I'm right on what I'm doing every day and I tell you, I'm proud of what I do and I do a good job with it, things tend to fall in place. People see that. And I think that we have to step and ask ourselves, okay, what am I putting in my mind every day? Am I looking, watching the news and seeing the negatives and all the crap that's going on out there? Or am I reading like behind you, there's bookshelves. Am I reading good books and thinking about good and put, putting good things in my mind that are, that are, uh, causing me to have a positive outlook, not a, a negative. And, and I think it's too easy for too many people to, to look at the negatives and we can get caught up in that stuff every day, especially in the sales. We lean into a right hook every day. I mean, they're oh, yeah. too beat up. And so we, we have to constantly take care of ourselves. And when you do that, uh, I'm reading good things. I'm, I'm keeping a positive outlook. I think people prefer to be around uh, people that call on them that have a good attitude and really bring a little ray of hope because sometimes the, it's pretty negative out there. That's a, such a solid point. There's so much, you know, we, um, in sales, you, you, you essentially are agreeing to be okay failing significantly more than you win. Yeah. And, um, when you're in that type of career, being able to, to shut off all the other negativity around you, I think is a, is a key element to success, be, be able to kind of get those distractions out because, you know, as you said, you, you lean into a right hook every single day when you wake up. And so you're not, you're not doing yourself any favors by allowing other negative things to come into your life. And so, um, kind of going back to though, that I think there is something to be said for people that are positive, have a great attitude, take care of themselves. They almost become um, like a magnet for more success True. and, that, that can really permeate into anything that you do in your life. Um, yeah. Because, you know, human beings, we want to be around other people who are happy or want to be around other people who are successful because there is so much negativity in the world. And so be that beacon of light, be that beacon of success and optimism. And yeah. um, that's, a, that's a good way to kind of motor on through the world. Well, you can kind of, I mean, even as a sales manager, we get caught into some of that world of how we treat our people. But there, you know, if you think about a tuning fork, a tuning fork is interesting because when you hit the right note, it vibrates, you know, and when they hit the right note, it vibrates. And I think sometimes when you get around the right people that are, are kind of your people and that it fits in and you buy in, you, you're not to say you vibrate, but you get that feeling where you're like, I like it here, you know, yeah. I like the people. And you kind of have to be that person that, that when they, when you show up, they go, Oh man, I always like when you come by, you know, that kind of thing. And what yeah. is it that differentiates you? Do you bring a little something to the, you know, that you talk about, and I'm, I know I'm full of these stories, but they're hitting me like, as you're talking, I'm just Johnny the bagger, you know, and that was this kid that you've ever, ever read that story, but Johnny was this kid that worked at a grocery store and he had special needs and he was, uh, uh, was this, he basically worked at the grocery store to, to bag groceries for, for an activity to do. And one thing that he, he, his dad found him, he had, he had Down syndrome, his dad found him count, cutting out these little positive phrases one time. And he would take on these little strips of piece of paper and he would stick it in the bag when he was uh, when he was bagging the groceries to give it to the customers. And they'd get back and they'd find these little positive strips and they realized, OK, wait a minute, Johnny's putting these in the bags. And, and so his line was always longer than everybody else's line. And they're like, we can take care of you over here. No, I'm good. I'll stay in this line. And they just liked going through this kid. And you know what? He had some disabilities that others would say disabilities, but I would almost say the opposite. 
the kid had a, had a, he just, you know what, he, he, people want to be in his line because he made a difference. And so I don't know what your disability is. I don't know what your situation is, but take whatever it is and figure out how can I make a difference? And I, and I, I, you just, you let go of fear that way it's, you're doing it for the right reasons and you're not held down by society's rules. And I just think that when you start to do that, there's too many great stories of people that lost weight or let go of their fear and quit letting things hold them down because they finally decided that they wanted to go make a difference. And I, I love those stories. I love, I love the underdog story where, where somebody steps in and takes charge. That's a good thing. Man. Well, Mike, we, uh, I think we're going to run out of time to dive into the other 17 things that we had talked about that we had planned to talk about, but this was awesome. Um, you know, I'm kind of looking back at some of the, our, our big takeaways. And I think three or four things are, are standing out to me. Mike is one, um, really interviewing skills should be taught or focused on not closing skills, right? The right questions, being able to ask the right questions. Um, Closing becomes a natural progression of, as an outcome, if the kind of preceding activities are done correctly. Um, And so I think that's, from a sales perspective, I think that's really our big takeaway for today. Um, Kind of going into sales and what makes up a successful salesperson, I was really kind of focused on attitude. And the one thing that I think it might even be the title of this podcast is going to be when, uh, when the man is right, the world is right, right? Take care of yourself, be a good human, be optimistic, avoid negativity. And especially if you're going to, you know, pursue a career in sales, um, whether it be something you're passionate about or whether it's something that maybe you, you don't feel like super is super impactful, like find a way to still be exceptional at it. Um, because you will attract success and you will attract a positive outcome. So really a lot of good stuff today. Um, I love your stories, Mike, and, um, you know, really thankful for uh, you sharing some time with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. And I think, as you, as you said, I think the key takeaway of, of, as we went through this, I know we, I prepared and looked at a few things to talk about when we get in here, it kind of went a different direction, but it just goes to show you how much attitude plays a part in our success. And I, and I think that as salespeople, you know, we're starting to get back to face-to-face now and doing a lot of that. And I think that's you, you, that's a great place to now start going to senior customers and being genuine about helping them. And when you, when you take the focus off of you, it's amazing how, how you know, you start to really solve problems for your customers. You, 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 all the things that we talked about come into, come into light when you do that. So I appreciate you having me on and uh, thanks, for, thanks for the time. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. If anybody wants to uh, get in touch with you or learn more about Integrity Solutions, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, it's uh, mfisheredintegritysolutions.com. And it's, uh, we basically have a, our, what makes us a little bit unique is, is we have a, a sales training program that we work with, but or coaching and leadership or service, but it's not just to come out and do an event. We typically do a day or a day and a half, but after that, there's an eight week follow-up process where for an hour a week, they're going to get back together and, and share how they use things and go out and practice and come back for an hour a week. And they, they do that on a, where there's, there's, they have some accountability, but also you start to change habits and, and when you do that, we, we usually see good results. Well, we always do. We see good results from that. And, and uh, it's, uh, but if you'll check us out at integritysolutions.com, then, uh, then you, can, you can check out all the information. But love to, love to hear from you. And, and, uh, and if there's an opportunity to help you out, we'd love to see if there, we can do that. Cool. Awesome. Well, pleasure was all mine today, Mike. Thank you for joining the Abstract Podcast. And uh, well, our listeners are definitely going to find some value today. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it.